champions of the world. Woohoo! Sport. I love sport. I love world champion athletes. I love Olympic athletes. I love watching top level sport. It's interesting though that the sports that I love to watch aren't sports that I've ever done. I love to watch rugby league, for example. I've never played rugby league. I love to watch gymnastics. I've never done gymnastics. I love boxing and UFC. I love, there's a whole heap of sports I love to watch, but I've never done them. Combine that with I'm an exercise professional who's trained elite athletes at the top level. I've trained sprinters, but I'm not a sprinter. I've trained rugby league players. I'm not a rugby league player. I've played tennis. I've trained tennis players and golfers, and I don't play either of those sports. So what right do I have as a coach, as an exercise coach, to train people in a sport that I've never done before? And it's something that a lot of people ask me about because, yes, Rowie, I'm excited about training people, but I can't, for example, I'm a woman, I can't train a man because I'm not strong enough, or I want to train people to get fit and strong, but I wouldn't train them for their sport because I don't know anything about that sport. And if you don't know your anatomy and physiology and you're not confident in your knowledge of how the human body works, I absolutely agree. What right would we have to train an elite athlete if we don't understand how the human body works? But if you do, if you have a good, uh, and when I say good understanding, the, the human body is an amazing mechanism and I'm learning every day and I've been studying, training, learning, educating every day since I've been 15 years of age about the human body and I still know very little. But there's one thing that we all have in common and that's our anatomy and physiology. We all have the same muscles and bones, we have heart and lungs, we have all the things that make it make us good at an activity, a sport, we all have that same anatomy and physiology. So is it possible that our responsibility as an exercise coach, perhaps a sports strength and conditioning coach, it has got nothing to do with the skill. I would never pretend that I can teach somebody how to play rugby league, because I can't. I would never pretend that I can teach somebody how to sprint with the correct form and technique, because I don't do that. What I do understand though is that to get somebody really fit and really strong and if, to, if I can get them mentally tough, they could arrive at any sport, any activity at any time and be ready for it. So let me ask you that question. The sport that you do or the sport that, you were, that you're excited about or the sport that you want to train people for, if that athlete were to arrive at that event, individual event, team event, as the fittest and strongest and mentally toughest that they could possibly be, are they more likely to be good at that sport, to win the medal, win the championship, less chance to get injured and have the right headspace? Uh, one of the things that uh, boxers, for example, will share with me or uh, Olympic sprinters will share with me or tennis players will share with me, if they haven't done the training, if they haven't put in 100% effort, physically and mentally, and then they arrive at the event, they're already, well, they've already lost. Individual sports in particular, you might, in a team sport, the team might be able to pick up your weaknesses if you haven't trained hard enough. But if you're a tennis player, if you're a golfer, if you're a sprinter, if you do individual sport, boxing's a classic. If you go onto a boxing or into a boxing ring or onto a a martial art mat and you're going to fight, and you know that you haven't put in the training, you're not as fit as you could be, not as strong as you could be, what does that do to your mental toughness, to your mental strength, and your belief in yourself? So is it possible that as a a strength coach, an exercise coach, a, a person who wants somebody to be ready for their sport, that our role isn't to teach them the skill, of course, it's to 
to get them as fit as possible, as strong as possible, and as mentally tough as possible so that all of those barriers are taken away. So I'll ask the question again, whatever sport you play, whatever sport you do, whatever sport you wanna train people for, if you or an athlete arrives at that event as fit as possible, 100% fit, 100% strong, and 100% mentally tough, are most of the barriers removed? So let's use an individual sport that I do know a lot about, marathon running, because I've run 21 marathons myself. If I arrive at the start line and I know that I am really fit, 100% fit, huffy puffy cardiovascular heart and lung fit, and I'm really strong, so every muscle, bone, ligament, tendon, joint in my body is really strong, am I more likely to be mentally tough enough to think, well, I know that I can do this race because I've done the training, I've, I've done the preparation, I'm fit and I'm strong, so I know that I can, which then, of course, makes me mentally tough. The reverse of that, if I train at 100% effort to get fit and 100% effort to get strong, then am I more likely to have the mental toughness throughout the race? Because I've been tra uh, training to be fit requires mental toughness. To push that barrier to train at 100% effort, I have to be mentally tough to do that. To, to lift heavy things to the point where I can't lift anymore, that requires mental toughness. So that mental toughness that I have achieved, that I've gained from getting puffed and lifting heavy, is it possible that that will take me through the event? And for me, anything under a four-hour marathon is bloody awesome. And, and every single time I've run marathon, I've known that I can do this, except for the first time, of course, because I hadn't done it before. But I know that I can do this because I've done the mental preparation, the physical training and the strength training to be able to do it. And ironically, the best marathon time that I've ever done was literally when I was the fittest but also the strongest. When I was lifting the heaviest weight possible is also when I did my best marathon time. So the next barrier though is injury. If I'm an elite athlete and I'm carrying an injury, what happens to my mental capability, uh, my 100% mental toughness to be able to do an event? And I share that with you again because I've run many marathons with injury and of course that wasn't my best time, but it also was the toughest mentally because I was going into a race knowing that I was carrying an injury, a hip injury, knee injury, even as something like a shoulder injury for running because doing this for four hours obviously puts a lot of grinding forces through your shoulders as well. So as an exercise coach, as a sports strength and conditioning coach, wouldn't it be our responsibility to make sure that our, our athlete arrives at their event totally fit, totally strong, mentally tough, and injury-free. Uh, as an exercise coach, the number one rule, of course, is I will never injure my client, I will never hurt my client, which then comes down to programming. What kind of exercises am I going to give my athlete to make sure that they arrive at the event injury-free, knowing that their body is fit and strong and that they are mentally tough? And one of the really, uh, again, ironic things about strength training for athletes is so many coaches, particularly sports strength and conditioning coaches, seem to try and replicate the movement of the sport when they're training their athlete. Now, the, the challenge with that, of course, is if I play rugby league or I do CrossFit or I'm a boxer or I'm a swimmer or I'm a kayaker or anything to do with joint movement, which of course is all sport, if I'm doing a sport that's going to at, or is that puts my body at risk for injury, why would I then put my athlete at risk while I'm training them? And I'll put that into perspective. 
If I've got my athlete as fit and strong as they can possibly be, are they more likely to be risk-free or have less risk of injury in a sport that creates injury? So rugby league is a classic example. I heard it described once by a top rugby league player as uh, two, two boxing teams. It's just team boxing. It's wrestling, boxing, judo, all the tough sports. It just happens to be in a team environment. A very dangerous sport. Uh, so I want, if I'm training a rugby league player, which I have, I want my rugby league player to be so fit and so strong, ligaments, tendons, joints, muscles, every part of their body, that they have less chance of injury. Now, they're going to get injured. It's, in, a, in a game like rugby league, it's not uh, if you get injured, it's just when. Uh, if you do downhill mountain biking, if you do uh, UFC fighting, if any sport that has contact involved, of course, or speed or both, there's going to be a chance of injury. So I don't want my athlete to do exercises in training that are going to put their body at risk uh, because that's going to put wear and tear on the joints that they have to have strong for the sport that they're going to be doing. So that comes down, as I've shared, to exercise programming and could we please possibly, it doesn't matter whether you're training yourself or somebody else, from a programming point of view, the biggest thing is the joint. If you have a, if you put, you literally put your x-ray goggles on and have a look at an exercise, uh, start at the joint. Because if the joint's injured, you can't lift, you can't sprint, you can't do any other, any other activity if you've got busted joints. And the challenge with the exercise at the joint is yes, I can put compression forces and traction forces through a joint because that's a normal human movement. But once I start putting shearing forces across a joint, so and if you do that with speed and momentum and weight, now I'm putting that joint at high risk of injury. Now that's what most sports do. So I don't want to do that in the gym. I don't want to do that with a, with a training exercise. I want to get the joint as strong as possible in the safest position possible so that when it gets impact, it's really strong. Not grind, shearing forces, grind, momentum, grind with weight in the gym, rep, trying to replicate a sport in the gym, which is a really something that's been just common sense and has perplexed me my entire life. Even when I was a child, I used to say to my swimming coach, why are we doing this? It doesn't make any sense. Why am I going into the gym pretending to swim with weights when the best place for me to learn to swim or to, be get, to get better at swimming is to swim? The skill of learning and the skill of getting better at a sport, obviously, is by doing the sport, not by trying to replicate it. And I'll use an interesting example for that. Elite basketballers, and I have trained a couple of those as well, both men and women, they're really good at shooting hoops. They practice, 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 practice on a standard height with a hoop that's a standard size. If you were to take those elite basketballers who thousands of times have put a basketball through a hoop that is a certain height and a certain size, if you take them to a country fair or a show or an AMP show in New Zealand, as they call it, where you go to the, the games where you can shoot baskets through and win a teddy bear. They're not very good at it. In fact, they're usually worse at it than people that don't play basketball. I'm just going to use basketball as the example. And the reason for that is the, the people who give away free teddy bears, if you can get a basketball through a hoop at a fair or a, or a show, is they don't want to give you the teddy bear because that costs them money. So they make the, the hoop a little bit lower and the hoop either a little bit wider or a little bit smaller. 
And the elite basketballer can't do it very well because they're not used to that size. They're not used to that height. And I share that with you because every time you disturb a pattern of excellence when it comes to sport. So if I, the weight of the football, the weight of the tennis racket, the weight of the basketball, it is not identical to the weight that I'm using in the gym, but the movement pattern's not gonna be the same because I'm not doing the same movement as I would in the sport. And here's the differentiation. My role as a sports strength and conditioning coach, my role as an exercise coach, is to get you as fit as possible, as strong as possible, as mentally tough as possible, and injury-free so that you can go and do the activity. Because the best way to get good at the activity would be to do it, I suggest. Why would we replicate a golf swing in the gym? Why would we try and replicate a swimming movement with weights? Why would we try and replicate throwing a basketball uh, with anything else than a basketball? Learn the skill and get good at the sport, at the physical activity, at the athletic pursuit, but get your athlete fit and strong and as strong as possible so their joints can handle the risky sport that they play. Then on top of that, if I'm really fit and really strong, I've got the mental toughness as well because I've had to get mentally tough to get really fit and get really strong. So I am very confident and have trained many elite athletes, even though I haven't played their sport. I love watching their sport and I go and watch my clients do their sport. I don't try and train them in the skill of their sport, but I make sure from day one that I give them exercises that will not put shearing forces across their joints. I don't give them isolated exercises because there's not one sport that does isolated exercises. Uh, there's just there's none. Every sport that you can think of uses the entire body, from the central nervous system to the endocrine system, firing up the body to every single movement that any sport requires still activates some other part of the body. So there's no time that we ever in any sport would isolate a bicep or isolate a tricep or isolate a vastus medialis or serratus anterior or tibialis anterior. No, there's no sport that does that. All sport has the whole body working as a full, complete athletic mechanism to win a championship, to win a medal, to win an event, to compete in an event. So whether it's community sport, national level sport, or world championship level sport, my role as an elite coach for exercise, for fitness and for strength, is not to get my athlete ready for their sport uh, from a skill perspective, just from a fitness and a strength perspective. Now, in this beautiful room, there are literally this, this many, many athletes represented. But this room in particular is represented my, by my gorgeous husband, K-Man, who is a world champion martial artist in many different, uh, different areas of martial art. And I do not pretend to know how to teach him how to punch or kick or do high kicks or turning kicks or or to do patterns or kata or to do judo rolls. That's, that's not my responsibility. If I'm going to train an elite athlete for any sport, including K-Man, I have no desire to teach him how to punch. My only role is to make sure that he has the exact fitness required for his sport, the ultimate strength required for his sport, so he has less chance of injury. 
And an athlete that's injured is going to have mental uh, mental challenges from a mental toughness point of view. And it's not that Cayman goes into many uh, events with with a broken brain. Uh, no, he's never got a broken brain with a broken body. But he has to then charge his brain up to work with the broken body. As he as his uh, exercise coach, if I was training him to be to be a fighter, there's absolutely no way that I'm going to work with the skill level. I'm only going to work with the the huffy puffy cardiovascular fitness so that he's super fit and super strong and less chance of injury. And if he is injured, let's make sure that we protect that injury with making every other part of his body, including the around the injury area, as strong as possible. So he's got every chance of winning. For, the, for what he wants to win for. Now, we have athletes in our life who want to do community sport. We have small children who want to play under-7s football, and we have elite athletes who do top-level sport at the world championship level. As an exercise coach, I would love you to be confident to train all of those people, and as a woman, to be confident to train all of those people. Because even if I'm spotting an elite athlete who's really strong, in strength training, I don't have to be strong because all I'm doing is spotting. I'm not, I don't ever have to lift the entire weight. It might be the last couple of repetitions, but that athlete has to be able to control that weight. And I would never give them a weight that they can't lift because that would be uh, irresponsible on my part, which means all I'm doing when I'm spotting is helping them lift the last couple of repetitions, the, the couple that they couldn't do on their own. And of course, for most elite athletes, you're not even lifting any of the weight for them. It's just that you're there to support them mentally. So I love sport. I love training elite athletes. I love being involved with sport, but I'm also very aware of my lane. It's not skill training that I do. It's fitness training. It's strength training. It's mental toughness training so that any elite athlete that I'm involved with can arrive at their event ready to go. Injury-free, really fit, really strong, and mentally tough to be able to say, I can do this. And isn't that what life is all about? Not I can't do it because I haven't trained hard enough and I'm not strong enough and I'm not mentally tough enough, but I can do this because I'm mentally prepared, I'm physically prepared, and I can't wait to be champion of the world. woo 